Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Happy Truth or Fiction Tuesday to each and every single one of you. I'm Andrew Coppins. He's Pat Oni. Of course, this is Critical Thinking. You know the drill by now. Every Truth or Fiction Tuesday, we're going to give you a couple of statements from ourselves, discuss amongst ourselves whether those those statements are truth or fiction. And I can't think of a better way to celebrate tax day than, well, a question about paying your taxes. And with all that, let's get in to some Critical Thinking. Mr. Pat Oni, how are you on this wonderful tax day? Hashtag taxation is theft, you jerk. Are, are you suggesting that taxation is theft? Yes, yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Um, strange, because um, taxation is theft, you are correct, yes, yes. Taxation is theft, 1,000% theft. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about all of that. We're going to talk about how this generation or the next generation are going to see our founding fathers if we continue down the path that we are on. We're also going to talk about uh, the Bud Light boycott and um, communism. Ah, it's a fun truth or fiction Tuesday coming your way. So, Pat, do you want to take your statement first or my statement first? I don't know. Rock, paper, scissors. All right, ready? Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Oh, dang it. All right, one more time. Okay. Ready? Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Oh, Oh, man. (laughs) All right, let's rock and roll. Ready? One, two, three. All right, fine. I'm going first. My show. I'm going first. All right. So my first truth or fiction. America's founders will be seen as villains by the majority of the next generation. Truth or fiction, Pat? Um, hmm. I'm going to go. So I'm going to surprise you on this one. I'm going to go with fiction. 
And the reason why I'm going to go with fiction is because I'm not sure the next generation is really going to know who the founders are. And then those that do, which I think will be a minority, will see them that way. Interesting. Because there's a book out, um, I believe it's just called Generations, The Real Differences Between Gen Z, Millennials, Gen X, Boomers, and Silence, and What They Mean for America's Future. This is from Gene W. Twenge, PhD. Um, In the book, there's an excerpt uh, that was tweeted out. Most stunning is that four out of 10 Gen Zers believe that the founders of the United States are, quote, better described as villains than as heroes. Somewhere along the line, a significant portion of young adults developed the idea that America's founders were more evil than good. Fewer than one in 10 silence or boomers, four to eight times fewer agree with that statement, thus creating a a substantial generational gap. And people wonder why the these gaps exist. It's not just age, right? What? This isn't just, um, you know, we don't understand hip-hop today versus hip-hop of the 90s, right? Or we don't understand EDM music, but we love classic rock, right? It's not a, it's not a generational cultural difference. This is simply put a, I mean, it is a cultural difference. I will say that, but I, but, but it's not a music or literature or movie difference. This is the basic founding principles of our country type of a difference. This is a suggestion that on its face, America is evil versus America was good. The idea the founding fathers were evil or good. If they were evil, then is the founding of America evil? I would love to see what the answer to that question is. Because one has if one is true, the other must be true. Either the founders were heroes, and thus our founding was heroic and noble, or the founding of America and its founders were fundamentally evil. And all I'm going to say on this going forward is that this is going to dovetail into my second proposition as truth or fiction. But I, I find this to be truth. And here's why I, I see your point of like they're not going to get, but they are going to, Pat. And here's why. Because in order for the continuation of the democratic socialist narrative, the communist narrative, whatever, whatever leftist grouping you want to put in place. They have conditioned not just one, but two. They have continued to further the conditioning that America's foundation was evil. And let me ask you a very simple question, how I know that they'll know the founders' names because of evil, quote unquote, in their eyes. Do we know who Adolf, does everybody know who Adolf Hitler was? I mean, generally, Right, and why do they know that name? Because they because he was evil. Yeah, because he was evil. Why do people know who the devil is? Evil. Why do people know the name of Che Guevara? See, this is interesting. To most Americans today, he is evil. 
But to the democratic socialist crowd, he's a hero. Despite the fact that he literally just went across the globe murdering people as a mercenary, right? Mm-hmm. Despite all the facts and all the history that exists that would show us that he is an absolute evil individual. As I'm, as I'm thinking through this too, to, to your point, and a reason why this could be truth as well is the, the later generations tend to apply today's cultural standards to the, to the, the, the past, to, to the, to all the way back to the founding. They will apply today's standards, today's culture back to the founding. And that's how they will see them as evil. Um, and, and that's that's not necessarily correct. You are correct, my friend. Um, and that's part of the teaching process that goes on in academia today, right? Is that this is the proper way to see history, not in its context of the day, but in the context of today's cultural academia lens, right? In, in so much as we talk about the you know, the woke Olympics or the oppression Olympics, right? We talk about um, gender theory and trans ideology, and it's all part and parcel of racial ideology, right? When, when we talk about, you know, college campuses and what they're teaching, right? They're, they're teaching that everything must be seen through these lenses, right? And therefore, everything that doesn't affirm today's cultural norms is seen as bad, is seen as evil, even. So I agree with you there. This is how we get there. Well, we have already gotten four out of 10. And as we looked at modern monetary theory over the last couple of years, one of the things that that we know is that the polling continues to show people of the younger generations are also supporting what? socialism or some form of that, right, on an economic level. And this all kind of dovetails together to go, this is how you get from four to 10 to six of 10, right? Is that you've planted the seed and you continue to water it and grow it and grow it on this level. But then you also, on the other hand, are showing that the system that they set up, right, capitalism, mercantilism, however you want to describe what that colonial and early Um, American period was economically, the reality is that it was the foundational laying of capitalism, right? They see capitalism as bad. Therefore, they're going to see the founders of that system as bad. So I think this is a twofold situation. They're being hit from the Oh, they're, they're a bunch of slave-owning racists, right? Except for all the history that suggests a vast majority of them wanted to end that practice and outlaw it. We, we know that for a fact. We also know that they were dealing with a system that was unjust and attempted to rectify said system and all of the other things that we know about it, right? They want to ignore one part of history to tell that narrative, is, was slavery wrong? Was slavery bad and evil? Was the slave trade horrible? Yeah, absolutely. And even through today's lens. But then I also pro, pro tend to the people who claim this about the Founding Fathers, Pat, and we've talked about this. What you doing about modern slavery? 40 million people in this world today are victims of slavery. 
and 30 of those 40 million are victims of sex slaves. This also might make your point, too. As Again, as I'm thinking through this, we've all seen the videos of like people like Will Witt and PragerU and those going to like college campuses, asking them historical questions like, who was George Washington? And, you know, they'll, they'll, whoever's answering the question will sit there and they'll think about it and they'll give some absurd, insane answer about who he was. Not even remotely correct, by the way, um, because they have no clue who he was, which is why I'm saying this is in part fiction, because they, they have no clue. They, they, the next generation will have no clue who these people were. That being said, again, this might make your argument as well. These are the same people that would vote for, you know, Democratic Socialists of America, communism. Because they like the idea of the policies and the ideas that are being presented to them. Not, by the way, not necessarily knowing the history or the consequences of these of these ideals that they are so blindly following. But if their idol, say, for example, someone like a Bernie Sanders type or, an a, or even an AOC type, because they idolize them, if they were to say, George Washington is evil. I don't know who George Washington is, but he's evil. He's bad. Mm-hmm. That th- that will be the mentality, and that that would be how I think this becomes truth. Is a a fringe minority might know who they are, and we'll make this argument. But I think the vast majority will say, "I have no idea who these people are," but if they're saying it, they must be bad. Yeah, and lest you think that they're looking at it. it I'll just say this. I think there's some proof here, Pat, that it, that this generation is not just looking at the at it through the lens of today for the past. And, and we'll get into it because there's some more of this um, excerpt from the book. Again, Generations, the real differences between Gen Z, Millennials, Gen X, Boomers, and Silence, and what they mean for America's future. That is the author, Gene M. Twenge, Twenge PhD, however you're going to pronounce the last name. Um, we're going to get into it with my second truth or fiction as well. Um, all I'm going to say is that the numbers are suggestive of something that is um, not great for the future of this world, let alone the country of the United States of America. Um, yeah, that's all I'm going to say on it. But let's go ahead and move forward on your first truth or fiction here, Pat. Your first truth or fiction is... Truth or fiction, Americans should stop paying taxes to fiscal to a fiscally irresponsible government. Hmm. I, I had to do this for tax day. I, yes, but I also yeah. think it's a very intriguing question on its face because it protends the protestation because are we really being represented, right? And right. we have a long history in this country of doing what? Protesting, uh, protesting, protesting, blah, 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 blah. If I could talk, right? Uh, right. Protesting taxes, <laughs> tax avoidance. We have a very long, very real history of that. And I think the uncomfortable truth for a lot of people who are in the conservative GOP crowd 
is the they they have a very tough time with this. They love to wrap themselves in the flag and nostalgia and America, bitches, right? But they don't understand that the people that they love and they exalt and that they um, put forth as the heroes and wrap themselves in the flag over were rebels, were the um, non-normies of their time. We're the minority. We're not the majority of the uh, the colonists. So they love to wrap themselves in that nostalgic flag of the revolution and uh, the idea of liberty and all of those things. But at the same point in time, pay your taxes, bitches. Okay, so the, my question to those types of people are, 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 do you pay your, which taxes, right? If our government is doing something unjust, what do we do about it, right? These are the people who love to quote the Declaration of Independence, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, right? And all that sort of stuff. But they miss the part of when these, when the ties that bind us are, you know, how do we alter the ties that bind us? They, they miss the parts of the Declaration of Independence that lists all the usurpations, all of the things that the government had been doing wrong to the to the colonists, all of the taxes, all of the you know things, all the the stuff that was put on them. Right? They miss all of that part. They love to wrap themselves in the flag, but I struggle with answering this as truth only because. We, in order for this to work, okay, we would have to have a mass organized movement of people willing to say, are you going to put us all in jail? We're not there. So it's fiction. We don't have the group of people with the stomach to say, put me in jail. Go ahead. We have a system that will readily put you in jail. We have a system that will readily persecute you. On the flip side of that, to the people who love the taxes, who bitch about not paying their fair share and the rich and that, okay, then, all right, wealthy individuals, don't hire a CPA. Do your taxes on TurboTax and pay your fair share, bitches. Right? Right. Um, I come down on the, the side that taxation is theft. Obviously, I think that is a... Not a bold statement on my end. That is what I believe. However, at the same point in time, again, I go back to the point of I can't be the only one, right? Because that doesn't work. This has to be organized. This And, th and that's the, the real lesson that we should learn from our founding fathers, right? As we, if we want to go backwards and look at, at how you do things. What did they do about the taxation, right? They organized. They made sure that those tax collectors knew what time it was, right? They there were tar, tarring and feathering, and I'm not suggesting to tar and feather today, okay? But we could do some some version of that. Where's the intimidation, right? You want to hire 86,000 IRS agents, we kind of put a kibosh on that. But are we paying enough attention that they won't put those back in place, right? 
Um, they organized the tea party. They, you know, they did all of these organizational things. And by the way, there's a lot of evidence, Pat, people don't know this about the tea party, the Boston tea party, that, um, there were people on both sides, uh, both British and American, as well as the Indian population that largely worked the docks there, by the way, who were cognizant of the plan. How do you think no violence happened that night, right? right. How do you think that happened? Uh, it's because it was organized. Are we organized? Do we have an idea of what we can do with this, right? And that's been part of the problem that I think exists with the broader movement of the right, if you will. We don't organize well. We bitch and complain well. We don't organize well, right? We love to play the victim, and that's that's true in libertarian circles as well, but we suck at organizing. How do I know it? Ask yourself how long this Bud Light boycott is going to continue. Ask yourself what kind of an impact it's going to have. Then flip it to the other side as we watch them literally boycott businesses out of business, right? We watch them um, harass and harangue people out of jobs. We watch them dox people without consequence. We watch the other side take their cultural norms that they would like and make them norms for our society. They don't do that just by a whim. They don't do that just by you pissed us off, so we're going to do something about it. Great great example, Pat, is Bake the Cake Bigot, right? The, the Masterpiece uh, Cake Shop. Uh, is it Jack Phillips, right? Yeah, Jack. Yeah, yeah, Jack Phillips. Guess what? He just lost another case in, in the Colorado Supreme Court. So he's going to have to go to the United States Supreme Court again for a third time. This time um, over a transgender cake. What? What? Right? That they organized that idea. They targeted. They targeted Jack Phillips and his cake shop on purpose. They did it in Washington State. They've done it in Oregon. They take and do what? Target on purpose. Why? Because they're organized. They know what the hell time it is for their movement, right? We don't. So while on principle, I agree that I think the, the best way for us to say, get your house in order, right, to our government is to pull the funding of our government. But people are just, and, and this is part and parcel of why I argue there should be no payroll tax in America. What do I mean by that? I mean, they don't get to automatically take that out of your paycheck. You must have skin in the game. If I have to write a check every single year, right? If I have to physically save the money throughout the year, does that or does that not make a difference? It sure does to me as a business owner, right? It sure does to me as somebody who has to be cognizant of saving every, uh, a portion of every single piece of money I earn as a business to make sure I'm meeting my business taxes, right? We, we need skin in the game. And once we get skin in the game, we can have this conversation again. That's, that's, as, that's as far as I'm willing to go with this. What, what say you? Well, you, you and I, you, uh, I think our audience can tell that you and I have been doing this show, you know, together for a while now. And, and the fact that, you know, 
we, we tend to answer some of these questions almost the same way and have somewhat of the same thought process as, you know, these truths or fictions as the other. And it's it that was fascinating. I mean, you put it more eloquently than I could have, but I came down in the same exact, pretty much the exact same spot. It's it's fiction because we're not willing to do any damn thing about it. We're it's pay your taxes to America, bro. I mean, th- that is that is the mentality that we have as as a country. However, in 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 ideal, in principle, I would say that this is truth in in that. If we actually did this, if we could actually organize in such a way and pull the funding of our government, ooh, they, they, they'd be listening real fast because we just took their money away. We took, And by taking their money away, we take their power and influence away too. So in principle, yeah, th- this should happen. And yes, taxation is theft. I, As a conservative, that, that's someone that does not identify as a liber- an all-out libertarian. I have libertarian leanings. You know, I do believe taxation is theft. I mean, yes, we got a, my wife and I, we got a nice uh, tax refund this year, but I'm like, we didn't get a refund. We got money that was owed to us to begin with. And it, 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 that was already ours. And even then, we probably still didn't get everything back that we were owed. You know, so I, I just, this is this is the frustrating part is that we, we, we watch our government spend money and spend money and spend money and spend money um, and, then, and then they'll print more and then the inflation goes up and then all this stuff. And then this is it's the vicious cycle in which we now live. Yeah. And, and, and the revelation that they're they're actually engaging in actual war in Ukraine. Right. If we're to believe these leaked documents that came out. Whatever you want to say about the leaker and and uh, his heroic nature or not, um, I would suggest not um, simply because um, he literally stole these, not found them. Right. He literally stole something that he should not have had um, that, that that's right. not right and just. But he also did expose something that needed to be exposed. Right. And, and so I look at it from the perspective of the fiscal side of things, right? But also, what is that fiscal side of things doing? And it apparently is funding an active war. We, are, we have troops on the ground, allegedly, in Ukraine, according to these leaked documents. If true, that's our tax dollars going to fund a war that we never got a vote on. And I mean, by we, our representation never. So I have a question, mm. right? The, the fundamental question goes back to this. Taxation without representation. That doesn't mean that every idea that you have, right, every idea that we have, every idea that the left has or uh, the centrist uh, liberal population has needs to be enacted for representation to be there, right? It doesn't mean that. It means the basics. It means the function of our government constitutionally is working, if not, our very founding document tells us and gives us the blueprint of how we alter the ties that bind us, right? How many people on the right are willing to have this conversation we're having today, Pat? Not many. So, again, I'm going to say this. Until you're ready to organize, until you're ready to to actually put the actions behind the words – until you're willing to stand up and say, yes, our government is not functioning for 
the people of America, and we need to talk about the ties that bind us, unless you're willing to be serious about that conversation, organize around that, it would be absolutely asinine and stupid for us to not pay in. And here's why. Because you are just going to give them all the fodder they need to arrest you, put you in jail, silence you, you're done. Stupid. Play the game while also on the other side of it, doing everything you can to advocate for change, doing everything that you can to organize around these things. And this is the this is the talk that we've given time and time again when it comes to reviving liberty. There have to be these guiding principles and a way for you to be comfortable in those guiding principles, understanding that they may be different than the normies of today, if you will, right? Understanding that you may be different and then doing something about it. That's where I come down on all of this. All right. That being said, Pat, I think it is time for us to move forward a little bit. Are you ready to play a little bit of the B or not the B this morning? I'm always ready to play the B or not the B. What are you talking about? All right. So today's the B or not the B headline is Church Institute's Pitch Clock for Worship Leaders' Mini Sermons Between Songs. Church Institute's Pitch Clock for Worship Leaders' Mini Sermons Between Songs. And while you folks are thinking about that, um, I'm just going to say this. Given the mayhem, even if the uh, mayor, the current mayor, who came out of her Beetlejuice hole um, on Monday and decided to tell us it's not mayhem. Um, it wasn't It wasn't destruction and mayhem this weekend, except for the cars that were on fire, the, the pe- people that were shot, the 16 people already arrested, uh, the video that just came out last night of... Uh, a mob of people beating on a woman for literally nothing. And I'm talking like 30, 40 people beating the crap out of somebody. Um, if you want to get the hell out of Chicago or Illinois, so you don't want to deal with the ramifications of it, go to closewithcoppins.com. That's right. Andrew Coppins, me, myself, and I, licensed realtor here in the state of Illinois. Uh, go ahead and go to closewithcoppins.com. I will help you make a decision that is smart financially, socially, meets your needs and goals as a family. I want to get to know those things because I don't want to sell you a home that you're going to regret, and I don't want you to sell a home that you're going to regret selling. Um, let's make smart decisions. So hit up closewithcoppins.com or you can DM me on any of the social media platforms that you follow me on and we can have that discussion. Again, that is closewithcoppins.com. Andrew Coppins, Exit Strategy Realty here in the wonderful state of Illinois. All right. With that being said, Pat, um, do you need the headline one more time? One more time. Church Institute's Pitch Clock for Worship Leaders' Many Sermons Between Songs. Is this the B or not the B? See, I, I love the baseball reference here. Um, for that reason, I'm going to go with the Babylon Bee. You would be correct, my friend. This is the Babylon Bee. In a final attempt to rein in their worship leader, Knoxville's Church on the Rock has instituted a pitch clock for all of the miniature sermons he tries to work in between songs. Quote, I just want everyone to take a moment to just posture their hearts like... 12 seconds now, to be exact, said Brad. Okay, now let me just speak this word of just crap. We're out of time. Man of sorrows, here we go. 
Over the past years, the amount of time Brad spent telling the congregation how to feel about a worship song began to exceed the amount of time actually spent worshiping. Believe me, Brad, we get that it's time to lay down whatever worries we came into church with, said Congregant Jared Taylor. I love you, man, but we have to put you on a pitch clock. The keyboard player's getting hyper hypoglycemic back there, playing the same three chords on repeat while you read the entire book of uh, Philippians between, <laughs> between songs. Uh, according to the sources at the church, Brad will be allowed 30 seconds between songs and 20 seconds for improvised expositions during an instrumental bridge. Any infraction of going over the limit, uh, the time limit will result in the sound guy turning Brad's mic down, said Associate Pastor Bob Howell. Three strikes, we cut his mic completely and the backup singer takes over. <laughs> we recognize the pitch clock may upset traditionalists, but this rule change will shave off about 30 minutes per church service. It was just stretching too long to keep the interest of the casual congregants. At publishing time, church leadership has also announced a ban on the shift between 17 different guitar pedals between songs. <laughs> oh, Pat. See, this is the best part of this because in, in, in my household, um, my wife enjoys um, Elevation Church out of, I think it's North Carolina. I don't know for sure, but it is one of these churches. And um, I laugh because I was like, so you, so did you get any gospel with your concert today? <laughs> hey, sometimes they do. Sometimes churches like that actually do pretty good at juggling both. Mm. But I, well, I, for I, you well, and I, we, we, it's hard. I think it's hard for us to connect with that because we have such more traditional backgrounds, like, you know, a Catholic mass and whatever. And I'm not against, like, I've seen some Catholic churches that have, like, you know, um, guitar, flute, um, trumpet, you know, stuff like that, where they're also accompanying the songs with music and stuff. I've got no problem with that. But when it becomes the absolute focus of the service, when it becomes the thing that you have to, right. to, get, to get people to listen to the rest of your message – are they actually listening to the rest of your message? No. They're there because bright lights, shiny things, music. They're not there because Jesus. They're not there to worship. They're not there to hear the sermon. They're not there to hear the words of the Bible and, and, and worship God. They're there to worship at the church of me. What makes me feel good? There's no gospel in that for me. I, I, I've never been to, and I've, and I've attempted to, to go to some of these churches with my wife, okay? I have attempted to do so, and I have found it absolutely, utterly lacking in any sort of gospel discipline, period. They'll take portions of the gospel and then make sure that they use them as a bridge, this is the point, to another song. Man, I would love to, to be a fly on the wall when you have these conversations with your wife. Oh, it's it's fantastic. <laughs> it is my favorite line of all time, though, Pat. My favorite line. So, did you get any gospel with your uh, with your with your concert today? <laughs> I would love to be a fly on the wall for those conversations. Do, do, do you when you, when you use that line? Um, do you have usually have to camp that night? No. Uh, See that 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 trick is I go to bed first. 
<laughs> Some would say that's also stupid because sleep with one eye open, Metallica. Uh, but <laughs> You're a brave man. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. However, it is time for us to continue with. And by the way, that means $100 of central bank digital currency into our Federal Reserve Bank account that we can't touch because we have run afoul of the central bank digital currency uh, sensors. Well, we don't have a high enough ESG score and we don't pay our taxes apparently. So, (laughs) (laughs) See, for our business uh, of this show to pay taxes, we would actually have to earn money. Earn money, yeah. Which, by the way, speaking of which, you could go to our locals community, uh, criticalthinking.locals.com, and donate to the show. Um, as low as, I believe, $3 a month, um, or you could donate $50 a year uh, to the show um, instead of the minimum. I think the minimum is now $5 a month. I think Locals doesn't allow anything below that. But um, So if you do the math, you're actually saving money by doing the $50 a, a year. But that's neither here nor there. Go to criticalthinking.locals.com. Um, you can backslash subscribe, and you'll you'll be taken to where you can pay. If you would like to help us continue to further our equipment and further um, up our show's quality. And that includes finding a replacement for Pat. No, I'm just kidding. Ouch. Ouch. (laughs) All right. So it is time for some more truth or fiction. I'm going to go with my uh, my second truth or fiction because it dovetails from my first truth or fiction. My second truth or fiction is that we will see a socialist or communist overthrow of our constitution in our lifetime. Truth or fiction, Pat? See, I, I, I hate this question so much. I, I Because, first of all, I can make the argument one way or the other, but I lean towards it being truth because we're seeing it happen right before our very eyes, albeit slowly. But we're seeing it happen. Can we stop it? Absolutely. Which is why it could be fiction. The question is, will we? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know that we have the will to do that at this point. I mean, we just talked about our will to stand up and stop paying taxes to a government that's fiscally irresponsible. We don't even have the will to do that. So if we don't have the will to do that, do we have the will to stop communism in our country? I don't think so. Therefore, I, I, I must go with truth. And, and I think it's truth as well, but I'm going to give you some other facts behind this, Pat. In the okay. book, Generations, right? We're, we're, I told you I was going to come back to it, and here's where I'm coming back to it. Six okay. out of ten Gen Zers disagree with the statement that America is a fair society where everyone can get ahead. Six of ten, okay? Thus arguing that society would be unfair. She continues to point out, Perhaps as a result, three out of four Gen Zers think we should, in effect, tear it all down and start over, saying, quote, significant changes to the government's fundamental design and structure are necessary. Three out of four believe fundamental change to the structure of our society must happen. Three out of four. The old way of doing things, they feel, doesn't work anymore. Now, let's combine that with what we know about what we said in the first portion, right? Four out of ten of these people believe that America's founders were evil, were actually evil. Not that they were complicated individuals who, hear me out on this one, Pat, 
um, had really good qualities about them, some really bad personal traits about them, mm. at every point in between. Turns out that sometimes bad people can do good things and good people can do bad things. <gasps> oh, wait, that's taught in the Bible. Hmm. But I want you to think about this because this is what they bring up in generations. This result, all these results, right? So the six, uh, uh, the, the three out of four, the six of 10, believing that America is an unfair society, plus the four out of 10 believing that the founders are not heroes, but villains. Right. This result also argues against the also argues against the idea that Gen Z is pessimistic because things really are worse today. They're negative, not just about today, but of a time 250 years in the past. Their disapproval of their country is so well entrenched that four out of 10 think that the founders of the U.S. were the bad guys in the story instead of the good guys in the story. That's the result here. They we've been they are so entrenched in in believing that America is somehow evil today. Today that it's also evil 250 years ago and we haven't written the wrongs of 250 years ago somehow. That we have not seen any progress, that we have not seen any these people are so fundamentally insane. Pat that they believe to a tune of six of, or three out of four, seventy-five percent of the people polled for this for this book and in in this uh, survey and study by PhD right sociologists, okay, believe that fundamental structural change to our society, aka our governmental structure, must happen in order for fairness to come about. We have gotten rid of slavery, right? We literally fought a war to make sure that slavery was no longer going to be allowed. Did we did we do something wrong in Plessy versus Ferguson? Yes. Was that was that wrong eventually righted? Yes. Was the wrong of slavery eventually righted? Yes. Is racism at an all-time high or an all-time low in our society? I don't know. I would suggest that we have a lot of racism today that is trumped up, that is not real, actual racism, definitional racism, right? I believe that we have progressed as a society, progress, right, faster today than we have at any other point in the American story. But for the far left in the academia crowd, you can't say that. You can't do that. Why? Because for that crowd, it is against the things that make them, wait wait for this, the capitalistic money that they crave, right? Because if that, if that truth is truth, right? If that is actually true, what I said, that we are less racist, we are less, we are more progressed as a society than ever before. For that to then be true means that their Money, their their pit of money that they get dries up. The academia today, especially in the social sciences, is absolutely driven by grievance politics and grievance money. 
That's the reality of it. And they have taught grievance politics to an entire, not one, but two generations, Pat, because (coughs) it's our generation. It's millennials that began this, and we are passing it on, by and large, whether that's 40% or 60%, it's too large. If it was 10%, it would be too large. If it was 5%, okay, great. It's on the margins. But by and large, we're talking 40, 60, somewhere in there percent have this belief system. And they're teaching it to their children. And it's in the schools from literally kindergarten to the end of their educational or their formal educational life, right? How else do I get a a picture of multiple people on Facebook, multiple friends of mine on Facebook um, showcasing their second graders out there picketing against climate change. What? Right? I, what? So I, do I understand the value of teaching them the value of protest? Yes. But there's a way to do that. And that ain't it. Because you're shoving a woke message down their throat while attempting to show them this situation. It's insane. If you as a parent would like to do that to your child or involve your child in your um, cause celeb of climate change, that's a different story. But when it's being shoved down as a result of education, quote unquote, that's a whole different story. My point in all of this is that we have a society, right, that is set up and is ripe for that kind of change. I argue that we do need a change. I argue that as well, but it is a return to principles of liberty, right? In understanding what those principles mean and in finding ways in which our government can maximize everybody's potential, not for a same outcome, but potential to grab that brass ring. Everybody should have that potential. And we should attempt to work as a society to make sure that the that we are maximizing the ability for the most amount of people to attempt that grab, right? Does socialism, does communism do that? No. That's always been my biggest argument against it. It doesn't do that. It does what? It makes sure that everybody doesn't, that nobody outside of the, of course, politically elite at that point has the ability to take that brass ring. Everybody else serves at the pleasure of those who have the brass ring in socialism and in communism. But I firmly believe we have a society in which this is totally ripe for it. So I'm going to go truth. Thoughts there, Pat? I I totally agree um, with those. I mean, with those stats, with those reasons. Um, with the way that, you know, academia has influenced generation after generation here with the way the millennials have in, influenced, um, Gen Zers, um, it, it all makes sense. It all comes together and yeah, because I mean, the call, yeah, go ahead. But we can stop it. We really can. We, we, we can stop this madness, Yep. but I don't think we have the will to. And that goes back to my argument on the taxation thing of organizing. We have to be readily available to organize. We have to be on the ground doing the work. We have to be at the PTA meetings. We have to be 
organized, even if it's a minority, you have to be vocal. You have to be present at school board meetings. You have to run for your school boards. You have to do the hard work to fundamentally make sure that these things do not happen. You're right. But the reality of this situation is that I firmly believe we will see these people win because I believe that we are un, uncapable or not uncapable, I should say incapable of understanding the spirit of the age that is at work. And until we repent as a society and return to the principles of godliness, first and foremost, we're reaping what we sow. And I, I you know, you, you talk about the book of Judges, right? And and that that in the Bible, right? What was the lesson of the book of Judges? Every time you turn away from Christ, I'm going to punish you. And we we have a society that is fundamentally turned away from Christ. That there's no question about that. We have a, a fundamental society societal change away from godliness. That's the reality, and and we're going to reap what we sow. All right, with that being said, Pat, speaking of reaping and sowing, uh, sowing some barley, we're going to talk about your second truth or fiction. Truth or fiction, the Bud Light boycott matters. Huh. Um, on this one, I'm going to go with truth. And I'm going to go with truth because this is the test of the metal of the um, anti-woke sentiment that exists on the right. This is the test of the metal. It's also a test of establishment versus base. Again, I'm going to fundamental truth of the GOP is this. There's nobody who hates you more than the GOP establishment. They have demonstrated that time and time and time and time again. And what have we seen with this Bud Light situation? Well, oh, Don Jr. comes out. Stop it. Stop it. Oh, guess who was one of the biggest donors to the MAGA movement? Anheuser-Busch Imbev. Wait, what? Yeah, that's right. They were one of the largest donors to the to Team GOP over the last 10 years. Yet they did this, right? Mm-hmm. Why, why would they be a massive donor to Team GOP? Uh, oh, it's because Team GOP has worked to do what? Works to make sure that large beer, okay? The Molson Coors... Uh, the Molson Coors Miller conglomeration plus the AB InBev conglomeration. There are literally maybe two or three because Yingling signed a deal with Molson Coors or Molson Miller or Coors Miller or however it's pronounced these days to um, distribute their beer more widely than before. There's only two paths to success. You distribute through either the Miller side or the Budweiser side, and that's it. There's no independent distribution these days, at least on a larger scale. And they have worked the system. And the system has been, we're going to donate to Team GOP so that Team GOP becomes our friend because mm, capitalism, crony capitalism, right? So this is a test of the metal. Does the base want to say, no, we're done with your woke BS. We're done with businesses shoving either personal politics or um, or peripheral politics so that they look good to the, the, the vocal organized minority, right? Either we're saying we're done with it or else. I, I think this has to be truth. It matters because if it, if it doesn't 
have an impact on a longer scale than just like the the temporary loss of billions of dollars of stock value in which that could be regained in a month or two months or three months, right? This is what matters. Can you hit a major company in the pocketbook the, the way that the left has done? Because the left's blueprint worked, right? The woke left, the trans ideology, the you know, LGBTQ agenda, the, the, the oppression Olympics, whatever version you want to go down, it worked because it's in every company, big, small, medium, don't matter, startup, non-startup, you know, um, IBM all the way down, right? It's everywhere. But can we be organized enough to hit them hard and forever in a pocketbook in, in the way in which they are whipped back into, you know what, maybe we should lay off the politics. Uh, maybe we should just say, like Yingling did, by the way, beers for America. That didn't say America bitches. It just said beers for America. That means everybody. What's wrong with that message? Nothing. There's literally nothing about it. It says, I want your business over here. I'd also like your business uh, for Pride. I'd also like your business for Oktoberfest or whatever else have you. There is literally nothing wrong with that. I don't think anybody would object to that messaging. What people are objecting to is a message that says this person is more elevated in our society because of some mental abnormality. Which, by the way, we are now showing proof online that exists in which this person likely did this as an act at first to gain fame. Don't know what their re, quote unquote subjective reality is today, but it was an act. It was a way for them to gain some fame and fortune, and it worked because they knew how to game that system. Oppression Olympics. What say you? I, I literally just went with this from the standpoint of, yes, this is truth. It does matter because can this be a counterculture movement to the current culture? Can this? Can we actually take on a big company and say, uh, no, you're not doing this. And as long as you are doing this, you don't get our money anymore. Uh, it goes back to what I said a few weeks ago. Tell me you don't want my money without telling me you don't want my money. And that, that applies to everyone that, you know, was were Bud Light fans of that, that, that hold that same value. Now, obviously, I don't drink, so it doesn't really matter for me. But right, right. It, it, it's that's not about that. But yeah, right. But that's, that's that's what I'm saying. And so <clears throat> I, I think if if. It, can you be that that counterculture movement in this case? Can you stand up to the, the current culture and say, uh, hell no? And so far, that's what it's doing. Now, here's, here's the kicker. This could quickly become fiction if we stop sooner than we should. If you're only going to do this for a month, no one's going to care. You got to do this for a long time. You gotta make you gotta make them. Yeah, the only reason I said is because you gotta make them feel it. You gotta make them feel it. 
And so I don't, he, I don't think so here's the rub on this, though, Pat. Here's, uh-huh. here's the rub on this, though. When the left does this, right, the Alinsky uh, uh, tactics, right, the rules for radicals tactics, it's not about doing it for a long time. And this is the part that the right gets wrong. It's not about doing it for a long time. It's about making sure that they don't – that they're going to think twice about doing it in the first freaking place. Well, True. That's fair. Okay, and then that's not about playing the long game. It's about I'm going to hit you in the pocketbook. I'm going to make sure that everybody thinks that you're uh, on some sort of blacklist, right? Right. And, and I, I want to read this because I think this succinctly puts this as succinctly as you can. Um, a good Twitter thread from Kyle Scheidler, and, and I'll link to it in the show notes. It's at Scheidler, S-I-S-H-I-D-E-L-E-R-K, if you want to look it up on Twitter. The Bud Light boycott is a classic example of right-wing activists not taking organizing seriously enough. It can still be salvaged, but we have to stop pretending politics is solely a contest of wills and ideas and not a contest of organization. Now, we we come from the perspective of that um, it, we are not a nation of laws. We are a nation of will, right? But will without organization, it mm. means nothing. Right. He continues to say the Bud Light boycott immediately resonated with the base. They liked the idea and they were having fun with it. If your side enjoys a tactic, keep doing it. It is textbook Alinsky. It was good. Turns out that AB InBev is a huge GOP and Trump donor. Shouldn't have been a surprise and could have been an advantage. Did activists do a power mapping exercise to determine these relationships and to prepare a response when they were inevitably uh, deployed? a.k.a. Don Trump Jr. saying, enough, enough, you bastards, right? Spoiler, probably not. He continues, who has leverage over AB InBev, who could have been secondary targets of pressure for more leverage, right? Who's their banker? Who's the aluminum supplier? Are all of these people big fans of Bud Light's boneheaded politics? And what do you do? What do you want AB InBev to do? What represents victory? Firing the offending marketer? Public apology? Donating $20 million to an NGO led by Riley Gaines to support women in sports? All three? This has to be worked out in advance, and this is the problem. You can move the goalposts later after extracting initial concerns if you need to, but at least have it planned out in advance, and not rhetorical wins, but physical and political costs exacted. But the target of your action needs to know what is required to make the pain stop because that's what they will want initially. That's the thing, right? We know that this wasn't going to do anything to to Bud Light. This wasn't going to do anything to AB InBev. How do we know it? Bud Light just stopped tweeting. Budweiser stopped tweeting. They just stopped doing anything public for what, eight days, right? And then their next tweet was TGIF. And then the statement comes out from the, the CEO of Budweiser? You mean the apology that really wasn't an apology? It didn't even mention what was going on. Didn't take into consideration anything. It was just some milk toast, you know, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. But he continues, the target of your actions needs to know what is required to make the pain stop because that's what they will want initially. If there's confusion on this point or if there's no way to make the pain stop, they are incentivized to resist. And that's what we're really seeing. They just said, F you. Right. They basically said, F you, we're we're still going to do what we're going to do. These things are all basic organizing 101. And there is a bunch more to know. Every leftist affinity group of like four people knows these things by heart. The right has to stop pretending that we don't need to know the rules to play the game. And maybe a more apt point rather than um, 
what I was saying before is, and perhaps the theme of really today's show is, do we have the will to, to organize and to continue to organize against a company like Bud Light? That's what I'm ultimately getting at. This right. quickly can become fiction if we stop doing that. Yeah, 100%. And, and you know, this goes back to reviving liberty, right? You've mm-hmm. got root yourself in God. You've got know your principles. You've got get used to being different. And then you have what? Form fellowships, not coalitions. Coalitions are useful for like, hey, we both agree that this specific issue is bad, right? Right. But we don't agree on the 99% of the other stuff. That's a coalition. A fellowship is a group of people, a la the founding fathers, right, who agree with basic principles and tactics. They don't have to agree on everything all of the time. That's not what a fellowship is. But a fellowship is based off of principles and execution of those principles on a social, political, and economic scale. And I would suggest we are not at that fellowship level. Why? Look at the pissing match that goes on online between Ron DeSantis supporters and Donald Trump supporters. Pew, 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 pew. Every single day. Are we are are we not um, in affinity with each other on principles? They don't even care about the principles. They care about the personality. And thus, the the real crux of the matter when it comes to the MAGA movement, it's all built on personality, not principles. Every single one of these people should have been pissed off at Donald Trump for not delivering on ninety percent of what he promised them in the twenty sixteen election. Build a wall and Mexico pays for it, bitches. Urgh. It did yeah. get built, and uh, you paid for it, bitches. And um, and look at the border issues that exist today, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we could go on and on and on. Oh, COVID and, and the COVID response and the trillions and trillions of dollars added to our national debt and uh, the trillion-dollar deficits that exist in the budget. Oh, but, but that was all temporary. No, it wasn't. It was trillion dollars before COVID hit. So – we're not even willing to stand on our principles yet. We, we, let's put it this way. It would be like after having knee surgery, right? You have to be able to actually walk before you run. And we're attempting to run without knowing that we can walk. Thus, Pat, I ask you your final thoughts on today's show. Don't get lost. Remember who you are. No means no. And I would love to be a fly on the wall in the Coppins household when Mrs. Coppins hits Andrew with a Bible. (laughs) Please be smart. Be safe. Be kind. Make sure you eat all of your meals today. And as always, Matthew 547. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.